0: Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker.
1: And I am your armor specialist, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I
2: am
0: your co-host, Christian Allen, codename Legion Cub. All right, guys, we've got a lot of G.I. Joe to talk about. We have our normal sort of topics that we do, but before we get to those, uh, we've got to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world of G.I. Joe lately. Uh, I want to make sure our listeners follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible uh, to keep up with our thoughts on ongoing G.I. Joe news. Uh, first thing I want to point out is at G.I. Joe Nederland, that's N-E-D-E-R-L-A-N-D, on Twitter, wrote an amazing companion piece to our review of Snake Eyes Dead Game Number 1 from the last episode. Uh, He went through, sort of as a response to our review, and provided his own thoughts and insights, uh, and even scanned panels from the episode to go along with uh our our critiques to to illustrate the things that we talked about i i was very flattered and and impressed that he did all of this and and if you listen to that episode you need to track this article down and check it out that's at gi joe nederland do you guys think it's nederland or nederland
1: Mm, I was thinking Ned, uh, Ned Niederlander. Ned
0: Niederlander, you're right. So it's G.I. <laughs> Joe Niederland. Uh, it's clearly Martin Short is following our podcast.
1: Wait, And it seemed like we actually kind of influenced his final decision on yes. what he thought about it. Like he, after hearing what we had to say about it, went back and like had to reflect upon what his actual feelings were for the comic
0: which you know as as we reiterated uh everybody should enjoy things on their own merits and if you love something love it uh but 100%. we will yeah absolutely but we will provide our honest thoughts and input about anything gi joe that comes out uh our intent had been to discuss issue two but it's not out yet so we're going to have to put that off until our next episode Darn. (laughs) Heartbreaking, (laughs) I know. Uh, And I do want to talk a little bit about the Target Cobra Island launch. Uh, The special missions Cobra Island G.I. Joe classified figures that are Target exclusive that are still uh, near impossible to find. Well, very difficult to find. Uh, in stores or or on their website uh to give a little background this is like i said a target exclusive wave uh they were supposed to go they were supposed to be in stores on august 1st and available on target's website on august 14th Uh, as of yet i have seen them exactly twice in stores and that's with a lot of hunting you guys because now here in georgia uh, everybody's actually wearing masks now, so I feel much more comfortable going on toy hunts like I used to. And I have hit every target within an hour drive of me. And the only time I have found any of these figures was on August 1st when my son and I went out uh, looking and got Roadblock and some Cobra Troopers. That's it. I've not seen any since. Never seen Baroness. Never seen Beachhead. Uh, have you guys been keeping up with this at all?
1: Uh, just the, oh, go ahead, Noel. Honestly, just just the confusion of the release dates. Watching, you know, people try to, to bicker. People, some people were treating some Target employees very poorly. Um, so please don't do that. Just, yeah, that's you know, unacceptable. They're, yeah, this is you know they're they're doing their job. They're they're being told to. You know what these things are. You're not going to change their mind. Um, But uh, yeah, I've been into one Target store since all this started. It was apparently the one uh, that does not even carry these figures. It didn't even have a place on the pegs for them. So um, yeah, I I haven't seen them at all. But yeah, it's been interesting to follow.
2: For sure, that's what you're describing. No, is everything that I've seen here. In Orlando, um, and even a uh, few days ago when I, I went to Tampa, any target that I saw, I stopped at, and I'm not even seeing spots on the shelf for them.
0: And one of the things that's been so frustrating around here is almost every target i visited does have the shelf tag for the Baroness, and then the pegs for the rest of the figures, but they, they never have anything in stock. I, roadblock... Uh, you know, and I said, we, I haven't seen anything beyond that first day. I saw a road, one roadblock once since then. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. And I was up, uh, the night, the 14th at midnight. I started periodically checking Target's website and usually this sort of thing will populate for whatever reason around 2.33 in the morning. I don't know why that's the time, but that's the time. Um... And I started checking around then, and they went, their status changed from uh, unavailable to out of stock. And I put the little, I clicked the little tab that said notify me when this item comes in stock. And over the next few hours, I got two emails about Beachhead coming in stock, but by the time I got there, they were gone again. Meanwhile, Roadblock has been in stock on the Target website several times and currently as of this recording is still available to go online and purchase
1: mm.
0: and, and that leads me because I I have a theory about Roadblock why he was included in this line I think there is a point of view that because The Rock played Roadblock in the second live action movie they might consider that name to have more recognition than other characters that's just my little theory I don't know uh but the the fact that he is in stock I doubt very much that they produced differing quantities of roadblock beachhead and the cobra trooper you know I would hope they they produced three times as many Cobra Troopers as they did Beachhead or Roadblock, but who knows what they did. But I would imagine, at the very least, they're equal quantities of those three figures. And the fact that Roadblock is just sitting there online available makes me think we're having some distribution problems, we're having some issues maybe with shipping from China um, or, or Vietnam. I'm actually not sure if these are being pushed in China or Vietnam. Uh, but whatever the case, I think the stock exists. I think it just hasn't been spread yet uh and if you follow with barrenness there are parts of the country that haven't even seen barrenness at all yet uh so i think we're just experiencing some delays some import delays uh i think that these things you know i don't think they're going to be plentiful but i do think we'll get to a point where if you want them you're going to be able to get them for retail price you're going to have a window
1: yeah going will be hard to find overall eventually
0: so that's uh, that's just my viewpoint as a long, long, long-time toy collector and and sort of keeping an eye on these kinds of things. And granted, the toy industry is is constantly changing now more than ever. But that that's just my personal belief about the situation. So for for the listeners, uh, you know, take heart, be patient, don't feed the scalpers, and uh, you know, h- hang in there. I, th- I think we're going to find these things.
1: Your time will come.
0: And now, speaking of time's coming, let's go ahead and head over to this month's review. All right, this month, we are reviewing the inspiration for the name of this podcast the audible interlude podcast we're reviewing gi joe A real american hero issue number 21 from 1985 silent interlude uh with right well written by larry hama but also something that gets overlooked i think quite a bit breakdowns by larry hama uh, with finishes by steve layloha and uh colors by george russos um a landmark, not just issue of the GI Joe series, but a landmark in the history of comic books. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was reading from IDW's 2015 hardcover uh, reissue that includes not just a it's it's got the original issue along with some corrections. Uh, it has larry hama's original breakdowns it's got gi joe origins issue 9 which was also written by larry hama for idw uh and is another silent issue and uh it's loaded and this is the when i went back to read this this is the first time i'd actually sat down and read all the expanded material in this thing there are tons and tons of great notes and insight about the original marvel comics and um some quotes from Larry Hama about why he wrote some of the things he wrote. Uh, this is, this is a phenomenal collection here. Have you guys seen this thing? No, no. Uh, it's, I don't know what it's available availability is now. I think they might have released a soft cover as well. Uh, but this is, this is 100% audible interlude recommended reading. Uh, if you can get your hands on a copy of this, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, so, what were you guys reading from
1: uh, I've got a digital copy I've got the entire original run uh, on a digital copy but I've also got this one on paper uh, you know the original book if I wanted to pull it out as well
2: yeah I've got a digital copy
0: that's I thought I still had my original comic but I realized that it my my first run GI Joe collection was a casualty of like car repairs or something else, probably twenty five years ago. Oh, <laughs> so, heartbreaking! But I, I've got I've got a ton of GI Joe comics, but I don't have a complete run. I've just anytime I see them, I buy them. So I, like, there's some issues I've got like five copies of at this point because they're cheap. You I mean you can just grab them anywhere you see yeah. them. Uh, but I happen to not have an issue of this, although I do have the issue from the G.I. Joe comic three-packs that was released. So, uh, that comes with uh, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, and a Red Ninja figure. Very cool set. Uh, But now, we need to talk about the comic itself, and, you know, this... Obviously, I've read this tons and tons and tons of times, but I wasn't really necessarily conscious of the fact that Larry Hama was so responsible for the art in it. Did, did you guys know that?
1: I knew it to a certain extent. I didn't realize the the reason behind that until seeing Larry talk about it. Um, which, if any, if anybody ever gets a chance to see Larry Hama talk about this comic um, on his on a panel, do that. Because it's it gives you so much insight into the thought process behind everything that goes into it.
0: So he basically created this comic in three days, from story to the breakdowns that he did. Which, if you look at them, uh, are, are basically the pencils. Like the very, uh, I'm sure Steve LaLohia had to do a lot of work to get it to finished comic book product. But, as far as the it's it's complete panels, like you look at it and it's the same movement, same characters, same positions, everything uh it's not storyboards, it's breakdowns uh but he sat down in a weekend and created this story, which is incredible,
1: yep, used minimal lines, used very deliberate placement of things to tell the story because you weren't gonna be able to you know put words bubbles in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's beautiful, everything that he's drawn. And what's
0: so amazing about it, it is, because when you read a comic book, uh, you know, you, you typically are following along the word bubbles and depending on how skilled the artist is, uh, panel by panel that tells a story as well. If it's a good artist and not somebody who just does a bunch of splash panels, uh, and with this, obviously, word bubbles and captions are eliminated. We just have the visuals from panel to panel. And it is very clear here, the story. Like, there's there's no difficulty whatsoever following it from beginning to end. And not only that, you're getting nuance from characters. You get actual characterization from Scarlet, from Storm Shadow, uh Uh, Who, I'd argue, you get the most out of them from the whole thing. Uh, Mm Because Snake Eyes is basically just running through, you know, murdering people. But Scarlet and Storm Shadow, like, just using their body language and the expressiveness... uh, Well, in Storm Shadow's case, of just his eyes. uh, Which, by the way, this is his first appearance in the comic.
1: You even get some from Destro, too.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I love the way Hama draws Destro... With the openings, the holes in the faceplate. And granted, that's uh, to one degree or another, that's done throughout the comics. But just Hama specifically with those rectangular slits and those human eyes behind them um, is just such a fantastic look. Yeah. One thing that's interesting to note, and I was trying so hard here, you guys, because I love my G.I. Joe toys. I sent you guys a message. I said, did you notice that the retro Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes are basically silent interlude figures because at the beginning of this story, Storm Shadow has sleeves. And minus the Cobra marking that's on the new, the Walmart-exclusive figure, uh, this is basically that figure for him. And then you flip over to Snake Eyes, jumping. At first shot of him jumping out of the back of the plane, and he's got the same... All the same gear that that figure has—the the leg straps and the backpack and everything else—but then Noel, you pointed out this is the commando head, and that figure has the ninja head.
1: Yep. Yeah. Even though the artwork would not tell you that. I mean, right. Right.
0: <laughs> uh, well, same with Storm Shadow. But
1: yeah, yeah. The packaging artwork is def- different than the the figure I'm, in the uh, blister card.
0: I'm definitely. Like more enthusiastic about that Storm Shadow now that I've seen this one and seen like, okay, this is a significant version of him with the sleeves, even though the Cobra tampo is not accurate, it's still very cool to to have a frame of reference for a sleeved Storm Shadow. Because mm-hmm. I didn't remember that. Uh, as, as you were reading this through again, uh, Christian, was there anything that kind of jumped out at you?
2: Yeah, there's... A few things. Uh, so, going back to what you were you were talking about, as far as the you know the artwork is able to express the story without any words or captions. Uh, for some of our listeners, keep in mind this came out in a time with comics where thought bubbles were so pervasive, <laughs> caption boxes were so pervasive, so. This was was so different than anything else on the stand at the time, um, and and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the, the Destro uh, art because my favorite parts of this issue actually are Destro sitting at the computer, seeing that something is uh, on its way. And then him with his chess table, because right up to this point, that that was such a a, a plot as far as Destro and um, and his loyalties as to how much he helps or hinders Cobra Commander, so that he gets what he wants. Um, and and without the words, it just I feel like it just packs
0: so much more punch. Yeah, that one panel of Destro with the chess pieces in front of him, uh, with Joe and Cobra facing off on the chessboard—like that is such an awesome panel. That that is well, then, close yeah, yeah. to tattoo-worthy
1: too. With the the characters that are set aside, these are the characters that are either dead or believed to be dead at this point in the in the story, uh, and Baroness uh, in continuity at this point in time. Destro believes her to be dead. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, he, him holding the figure of the Baroness, as she's you know she is believed to be long gone. It's you know it's so you just see so much of the grief uh, in Destro's eyes there.
0: Well, and what's interesting is this is an epilogue to basically the first nineteen issues of the comic that culminated in this. This big war that resulted in these casualties of Quinn, Doctor Venom, Baroness, um, and this this and issue twenty were basically filler issues before the regular story continued. Uh, so this one kind of caps off those first nineteen issues. It's it's and it's uh, it's so funny because it works as an epilogue for those. But in introducing this feud between Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, it also works as a prologue for what would come.
1: Well, and apparently this was also supposed to be just some throwaway issue that got lost. Like Denny O'Neill just lost the original uh, the original uh, treatment for this for this issue, so that's why they had three weeks to put this together, and that's when Larry came up with the idea of drawing it and everything. So this is this wasn't even supposed. To, to exist. Like, right. This was a spur-of-the-moment story that winds up becoming uh, kind of the glue that holds G.I. Joe together for the rest of its history.
0: So we've talked about the art, we've talked about the story, which is uh, one of the interesting aspects of the story is it could be very easily described as Snake Eyes rescuing Scarlet from the Silent Castle, but Scarlet rescues herself and then rescues mm. Snake Eyes.
1: Who also saves her? Yes. While she's attempting to sacrifice herself for him, it's it's, or something you can literally read through in five minutes if you weren't paying attention. to Anything it tells such a complex story just between those two characters.
0: I'm also noticing Storm Shadow has blue eyes here, which is a little weird. Yes. <laughs> Not sure well, about that know. one, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's. Absolutely wonderful, and then, of course, at the end, the final two panels, the the shocking revelation that there is some connection between Snake Eyes and this new ninja character, Storm Shadow. Uh, which is but,
1: amazing, too, because that's Larry had no idea. but That's what page 22 of the book... On page 20, he did not know that was going to be how he finished that. It, he just had written in that their sleeves had gotten ripped and decided well, let's give him matching tattoos, and we'll expound upon that later.
0: <laughs> and that's how he did things. He did not have, and I think we've talked about it before, and if and if we haven't, it was mentioned on the Larry Hama episodes of the Needless Things podcast, uh, where we did live panels with him at DragonCon. Um, you know, he didn't plan ahead. He wrote uh, uh, as each issue came. There, There was no grand plan, partially because that's just... He believed in following the characters more so than directing the characters. Uh, But also, you know, working with Hasbro in the way that they did, he never knew when a character might be taken away or added in. So, you know, it would be hard to to have a a long-term arc in that way. So... I mean I don't think we even need to rate it. Uh this is often referred to as one of the greatest comic books of all time, one of the greatest instances of sequential storytelling. Uh it's fantastic, it's a must read. Absolutely. And I I just want to toss one more thing out there.
2: Uh having worked in comic stores uh from the from 1992 to about 2012 um this For as important and groundbreaking as this was, it was kind of lost to time. You know, when when the G.I. Joe comics fell out of favor, this meant nothing to nobody. And as much as I give Wizard Comics Magazine grief, when they wrote an article letting people know, hey, there's this amazing issue of G.I. Joe out there, it put all these eyes back on it. So I, I do give Wizard uh, some credit for, for getting this back to the masses so that everybody knows
1: that you know
2: if you only ever check out one issue of the, of the Marble Run of G.I. Joe, this is the one.
1: And it wasn't even that well received by a lot of people when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Postbox the Pit, the letters column that they did uh, a couple issues later were people just dogging on this comic for being like too simplistic and you know I, I was done with this comic in five minutes I don't feel like it was worth the 75 cents or 60 cents I think that it cost at this point in time was the cover cost which is just mind blowing to think that the comic <laughs> used to cost 60 cents when they went up to 75 I was like oh no I'm going to have to mow more lawns <laughs> um, but yeah it wasn't that well received by a lot of the, the the people who were reading G.I. Joe at the time, it's really kind of, in retrospect, has become a classic and just a a master class on how to tell a narrative uh, in in comic book stories.
0: And for the listeners, this uh, 30th Anniversary Edition that I was referring to is still available. You can order it direct from IDW. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon. So it's, uh, it's still out there, and you can get your hands on it if you want a copy, but also, uh, you can you know you can find the original comics. You can find the trade collections that Marvel and IDW have done. Like it, it is readily available, and I highly recommend it. All right, any final thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I could talk about this comic for hours. <laughs> well, honestly. we don't this have hours <laughs> for hours. <but. laughs> no, yeah, I mean, just it, the everything from the pacing, the you know, each, each page having like, its own mini-story um, with, with the way that these action scenes are paced. Um, you would think that Larry was, you know, storyboarding these comics every issue. You almost wish he kind of did sometimes <laughs> from yeah. reading this, because this one flows better than most Joe comics that were planned and produced over the course of, you know, six weeks rather than three.
0: Well, awesome, you guys. It is now time to look... Beyond the 80s. On this month's episode, we are taking a look at a line outside of the original Real American Hero toy line, or I guess not the original, but the 80s real american hero toy line that is our focus here on the show and uh this time around we are looking at 2003's spy troops now christian this was your pick what made you pick spy troops uh
2: so i had um memories of seeing these figures on the shelf uh at toys r us but i had been out of gi joe by by this point um and my memories of it were, oh, yeah, you know, they were putting out a lot of repaints of the original Joes at the time. So when I started looking at the figures online, I was like, wait a minute. These are all new sculpts. Like, the entire wave is all new sculpts. So the more I started reading about it and and uh, discovering how successful um, – The 2002 line had been, where they had a few original sculpts, a few repaints. Um, It was one of the most successful years of G.I. Joe, so they dumped, Hasbro dumped all this money into spy troops, and looking at some of the designs, and then reading more about uh, some of the gimmicks that came along with them, it sort of just... I'm I'm obsessed. Like it, some of it <laughs> totally blew my mind as to how did the thought of of Joe's uh, having you know swappable gear so that they you know some of them come with cobra armor so they can they can infiltrate and like like how did that not happen before? Whoa. Um, and and the new bodies if I were out outside of the main um Joes, you know, like your Cobra Commanders, your bats, your your shipwrecks, um, some of these figures, if I just saw them loose at like a toy convention, I would have guessed that they were like bootlegs. Because they <laughs> yeah. have like this wider, you know, superhero kind of chest, like very square shoulders, uh, bless Lady J. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and Dr. Mindbender got a shirt.
1: Yeah, still so, wide open. He'd let himself go a little okay. bit. So we're making progress. You know, well, I've I've managed to acquire a few of these figures just in lots over the years, and I've always like those big shoulders and the monkey arms and the giant hands on a lot of them. That's um, always really bothered me. And I just thought it's just a byproduct of using cheaper plastic that they had to go with some of that. But after watching the trailer for the uh, the the feature, I actually think part of it might have been stylistic too because some of that kind of yeah. carries over from that. Um, yeah. I I like a lot of the designs of these figures. I just don't like the aesthetic of the actual builds of the figures themselves.
0: I was actively collecting when Spy Troops hit and it's a really weird time in the history of the G.I. Joe toy line because, Christian, like you said, they were doing a lot of repaints and re-releases of original body O-Ring figures but mixing them in with these beefy, broad-shouldered, long-armed, like, way over-designed figures. And then there are also some sort of middle-of-the-road ones that have tons and tons of detail. They're not O-ring. They have the swivel waist. But they're also not as big. Like, it's, it's almost like there are three different design styles within this one year of G.I. Joe. And it's this interesting transition uh, but I was a big, big fan of these figures at the time. I could never display spy troops on the same shelf as any O-Ring <laughs> figures. It doesn't work. Uh, so but, can
2: I ask you a quick question? Please do. Or maybe not quick. So one of the things that, that in in looking at these figures and reading up on them that blew my mind in the what was Hasbro thinking was... The sound attack gimmick. So the weapons had these <laughs> giant additional <laughs> pegs on them that looked so out of place.
0: It was so bad, and I hated it. And, but
2: f- and you you put them in a you
0: attach that weapon to a vehicle, so it's not even like the figure made sound. So for the for the listeners, here's how this gimmick worked: the figure would come with, and these figures came with lots of accessories. So fortunately. You would have sort of a standard rifle, a backpack, um, maybe a knife, or the pieces of armor, the, the disguise elements that you mentioned. And the, the Joes would have Cobra disguises. The Cobras would have Joe disguises. Um, but, uh, as a matter of fact, there's a Dreadnought. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he came with a military police costume that was actually really good. Like He would almost have been a good troop builder. Um, if you wanted to have a bunch of MPs, and I'm I'm scanning YoJo for him right now, and he's not jumping out at me, I'm sure he will in a minute. But anyway, the the sound attack piece was almost like an extra. It's not like instead of having a regular rifle, they had this thing. This thing you could throw in the trash, which is what I did okay. with them. Uh, and it would be like a way oversized M16 with this like big plastic chip sticking out of it. Like the size... Almost the size of a thumbnail. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just So it is as
2: bad as the pictures look.
0: Oh yes, oh yes. And they would... You could plug these into slots on the vehicles and it would produce some noise. And honestly, I'll tell you right now, I don't remember the noises. But I didn't care because these weapons were so ugly uh like i said i threw them in the trash i still have when i was going through my personal collection of old joes because i still have all of these um i still have like two or three of these weapons and that's it those are the only ones i hung on to Mm. and they were ones that were sort of specific but they're still you, you can't use them you would never put a figure on a shelf holding one of these things and the dreadnought was burnout burnout that's right that's yes, right. and burnout.
2: outside of he's actually one of the figures i was really drawn to because outside of his disguise gimmick the way they designed him he looks like he belongs in the wwe <laughs>
0: <laughs> or at that time wwf <laughs> right right um yeah i but uh, there are a lot of these designs i like a lot um some of my some of the things I think are really cool updates. I like the way they did Beachhead. Uh I mm-hmm. like the bat update. Even though it's lacking uh a lenticular chest or even a sculpted because later bats have had a sculpted chest that looks like what was in the lenticular chest. But I do like these bats. Um the Cobra Commander that they did that not the one that's big and chunky. Uh, it's Cobra Commander version 15 is how it's listed here. He's blue. Um, he really kind of just looks like a more modern version of the old helmet Cobra Commander. I really like that one. You got um, the
1: first Kamakura figure.
0: Yeah, which... our first Kamakura, um, uh, which I've got a whole list of new characters here that I like. Yeah. But my question is, why is Wild Bill bald? <laughs> Like, I appreciate that they wanted a removable hat. I think that's awesome, and I, I in general, like this character update, but I don't understand why he's bald.
1: Well, you know, you get a little older, you start losing a little bit up top, you just decide, let's take the whole thing down.
0: Oh, yeah, you could <laughs> be right. You could be right. Yeah. Uh, and I really like the Zarana update as well.
1: Yeah, Rana I mean, I like I the like Zartan. I don't like the, the bulkiness of the figure, but I, I do like that, that weird like V chest he's got and the colors are 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 good I mean they're very reminiscent of the original figure um, there's a listen the, the the Destro who's wearing like a black turtleneck that Destro is insane
2: yeah. that is more pimp Destro
1: than the pimp Destro variant. I, I, yes yeah, I agree that's, but that's, that's exactly what I was thinking
0: but in an era when nobody was doing vac metal he has the vac metal shiny mm-hmm. head Which I appreciate.
1: Uh, And you were mentioning that, like, the the 3 and 3 quarter inch like, classic O-ring figures that they threw in this line, like, they got a lot of mileage of that Viper uh, mold because they used it, like, three times, I think, this year. But there's something that's off about those, like that one and the Frostbite, which is, like, mainly a snow job repaint. um, They just look, like you were saying, like knockoff versions of the G.I. Joe figures. The plastic is just not the right quality or color, like the skin tones are off on a lot of these figures, um, it's just quality control is not what it was in the heyday of G.I. Joe. Yeah,
0: that's, when you look at them, the arms are a very, very soft, like it's, it's parts of them are ABS, parts of them are PVC, uh, and, and it's very noticeable across the line, but I, I do, I like I like the Ripper redesign, but it would never replace the original Ripper. Oh, no. I think it's a cool update, and I'll tell you, you know, if they do, if they did Ripper in the way that they've done Roadblock in the classified line, where we get an OG Ripper, but then they do a Ripper like this that's part of some exclusive thing, I would buy it because I think it's a cool look.
1: I just figured out that this figure that I thought was a version of Spirit for so long is actually Nunchuck, and how that's not Spirit um, <laughs> blows me away, because he's got the... He, yeah, he, he looks like I would think Spirit would look in 2003.
0: He looks like Billy from Predator.
1: That's what. Which, that's exactly which what I was going with. They actually
0: <laughs> did a Spirit that is basically Billy from Predator, so it makes yep. sense. Uh, that, that was in the 25th anniversary line for the... Uh, listeners, Some of the new characters that came out of this line that I absolutely love, uh, Agent Faces, who came in with, came in a two-pack with Zartan and who is basically G.I. Joe's Zartan. Uh, comes with masks and everything. Uh, cool figure. Uh, Burnout, the, the Dreadnought. I yeah. like the concept of the Claws and the Neo-Vipers. These new sort of disposable troops that they did in a bunch of different colorways and... Uh, Different designs. I think they have a cool look. I like them. Uh, heavy water is one of my favorites. Uh, it doesn't look like a GI Joe figure at all. It's just this diver with all these. Well, you guys, you can guess what makes <laughs> me love him. He's got like six hoses that plug in. <laughs> uh, but it's it's Cobra's uh, like radioactive trooper like it's bizarre if you, you I'm not going to read the whole thing here but he
2: looks like he would be an enemy in like a late 80s early 90s anime
0: yes or in an early 2000s video game yeah <laughs> but it's a, once you get all his tubes and everything on him he looks crazy it's a cool look uh, and then of course uh, Noel mentioned Kamakura already and then finally Scalpel the Cobra medical officer yep Love this design. I love his crazy shoulder scalpels with backpack. Um, I just uh,
1: this was was also the period where they lost the trademark to Shockwave because they were calling him Shock Blast in Transformers, and he's Wide Scope here. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I I was when I was doing putting my notes together for this portion, I saw him and I was like, oh, Shockwave got a figure here because I don't I don't believe I've got him. And I was like, wide scope? Oh, trademark problems.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, speaking of trademarks, uh, this line brought road the Marvin Hinton roadblock f- back for the first time uh, since 1994.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Didn't so, have to just use heavy duty every time.
0: Right, right. So that was pretty significant, although he's got some kind of weird wrist bandanas going on. I don't know what the deal is. Why Why do we have to put weird things on roadblock's arms? What's the deal with <laughs> that because this figure he has bullets strapped around his biceps he's got some kind of weird bandanas around his wrists and then when we get to the 25th anniversary they put those weird like sweat bands around his elbows you, you guys leave Roadblock's arms alone <laughs> they're fine well, without
2: Since he likes to cook when I saw this figure I immediately thought of Bob's Burgers uh, when he makes the the spice holders uh, God, around yeah. his arm <laughs>
0: That's what they so, are. They're not bullets. Yeah, he he just wants to be ready. <laughs> that hundred percent makes sense.
1: I have a weakness for um, toys with ghillie suits. I I wish that GI Joe had done a lot more of them throughout the years. And this mm. year is kind of a fantasy for that because you got several characters who had ghillie suits. Because I yes. think Ambush was the only one in the original, uh, original Real American Hero run that ever had one.
0: Yeah, you got um, two different versions of. Uh I didn't I looked at this but didn't put it in my notes. Uh is it Rakondo?
2: There's a few of them. Like there were two different versions of shipwreck in this, two different overkill.
1: lines.
0: Speaking of which, I love the uh again, I would never take anything over the original shipwreck, but I do like this shipwreck Oh, redesign. I love
1: this design. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a really it's a really well-done design to kind of modernize him. He you know, doesn't just look like a a sailor. But he does. But now,
0: Like he yeah, does, a, but not like a you know, traditional.
1: He's not Donald Duck. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> and then
2: Did you've you got guys Oh, go ahead. notice that in a line of GI Joe about spies and infiltrating and and coming with disguises there is no chuckles oh my yeah. gosh you're right and that was
1: like his job well it's pre chuckles kind of having that resurgence true before the comic series made him a fan favorite character
0: yeah because they did the chuckles figure came out the original chuckles figure and like i feel like he's one of the few characters that really never got another figure like, they never he used got a him.
2: variant, a sleeveless
0: variant.
2: Um, but, yeah, did nothing else until the 25th. That's. How... I think that figure even came in the collector's club, not the regular line.
0: No, I've got him, so he was regular line. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was part yeah, of the I regular line. I missed um, he, They didn't nail it, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not nailing it, let's look him down at the vehicle driver's What is up with this snow job with the green jacket?
1: Well, yeah, he's frostbite in this case. But, yeah, that's one of the ones that I was specifically just, like, why? Why did you do that? And he comes (laughs) with the snow
0: cat, which is actually my favorite version of the snow cat. But overall,
2: that is one area that this line didn't do good. (laughs) I mean, to me... The vehicles look like, again, the third-party vehicles you see like when you go to big lots.
0: Yeah, they're, for the most part, just really terrible. The Toys R Us exclusives were great, and I actually own everything except for the Mobile Command Center, which I'm still kicking myself for not buying. Um, but those are just reissues of the original molds. The Striker, the Conquest, the Mobile Command Center, and the Snowcat. But then the mainline wide-release vehicles are all just these clunky... They're just bad, and I don't think I... Yeah. The yeah. only thing I own is... And it wasn't even from this year, but the, the Night Attack Chopper slash Crimson Command Chopper slash whatever it was called when I bought it, which I think mine might be the original mold from 2002. It's got green camo on it. Mm. Um... I I got it because it seemed reasonable. Like I th- I find it more reasonable than any of these other vehicles. But like everything here is just it it, it looks like Leonard stuff. It looks like it looks like the core vehicle.
1: Well, and if you yeah. think about it too, then this is 2003. The US was at war with two countries in the Middle East and gas prices and oil prices were like record highs for a while around this time. So I'm sure that that played a lot into it, doing these smaller, dinkier vehicles with you know with with less plastic. Um, but yeah, the, the, I
0: feel like these have more plastic uh, i I feel like the small vehicles have twice as much plastic as a vamp. But then there are a number of very large, like the ringneck, the like I said, the command the the helicopters. That they use that a uh, few times. The Patriot Grizzly tank, the MUV. Like there's some big vehicles in there, and they're all a much thicker ABS plastic. Hmm.
1: Um, I guess I've never handled uh, any they, other figures from this year, so they feel
0: <laughs> these vehicles feel and look just cheap. Um, next next time you're over, if we if, if we can ever be in proximity <laughs> again. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> Remind me to pull out this this chopper, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It feels like a, uh, it feels like a small child's toy. Like that's the plastic they're using.
1: And I am saying this, I'm a
2: playset guy, and the conquest of Cobra Mountain is now on my my hunt list. Boulder uh, Hill, sort of.
0: <laughs> and it looks a lot like so Boulder, it's Boulder
2: Hill. The notion playset from Attack on the Clones. With additions to it. And I... Is that what it is? that playset. It is. They repurposed oh, it. They retold it. Oh, wow. And they made it an awesome playset. Or at least having not handled it, but all the pictures I've seen online of people that own it, that is a playset I wish we had had back in the
1: 80s. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting. I tell you, when when we do, uh, we are able to get back out and you know be in public and go to conventions and things. I am totally going to put together a scalpel costume. I've decided. Oh,
0: you? Well, we. This is a family show, so I won't use the word.
1: Uh, that I, I was you, going to. Did use. I beat you? Did I yes. beat you to an idea?
0: Yeah. No, I already had the idea, and uh. I specifically <laughs> didn't say anything about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I'll let you do your scalpel. It was well, <laughs> I'll
0: never do it, so don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> it's it's
0: 100% a great idea that I'm just not I'll I'll never bother with it. So please go ahead. Or or just make a second one while you're making yours.
1: There we go. <laughs>
0: um so yeah, but I like I'm glad that I still have this line if I ever have the space to display them i absolutely will i love the look of so many of these figures Uh, i love the designs we will discuss the spy troops movie on another episode uh but overall this was a high point of of gi joe you know even if you weren't actively collecting at the time it was big in stores in 2003 this was this was a uh even though they have little tiny heads they had a big presence in the toy aisles
1: (laughs) i just realized what destro reminds me of he looks like one of the goombas from the mario brothers live action movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that mojo nixon playing destro (laughs) Uh, Uh, but yeah I, i i like the way they utilized repaints uh i like because if you look at the two different versions of overkill you've got one that's sort of standard and then you've got the other one that's the desert theme And there's a lot of desert themed stuff uh the sand viper showed up for the first time here uh you've got just it's it's a cool line that despite the aesthetics between the figures not being necessarily cohesive the theme i feel like is so i i dig it i think 2003 was a good year what do you guys think your final verdict
2: yeah, I think that that Hasbro showed that there was still a lot of life. You know, we there were so many figures that came out. You know, um, it, it blew my mind because yeah. I, I didn't think that that um, we that Hasbro had done anything with that many all new original sculpts since like Sigma Six.
1: Yeah yeah it's 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 really kind of surprising to go back and look that back in 2003 which to me was a year that like GI Joe was barely on the radar um that there were this many figures released in a single series so um and said I I like a lot of these character designs I wish they were on better looking figures um <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, I and mean, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot that went into this. There's definitely some love from Hasbro still for G i Joe at this point.
0: So, for the listeners, as always, we recommend you visit yojo.com, dot com, check out two thousand and three uh, and take a look at all these figures that we're talking about. Welcome to Instruments of Destruction, where we talk about a vehicle from GI Joe, up to and including its appearances in media, comics, whatever else. Uh, this month, it is my pick, and I actually I had a tough time here because there's there's a pick I want to make, but for my first pick on the show, I have to go with my favorite toy not my favorite GI Joe vehicle my favorite toy of all time the killer whale
1: uh.
0: it, it's it's the best toy ever made hundred percent there's there's no disputing that in my opinion uh, I did not however remember because you know I sat down and did a little bit of research for this so I'd be more prepared to talk about it uh, I did not remember that whale stands for, Warrior Hovering Assault Launch Envoy, <laughs> which is, whoo, uh, what kind of mental acrobatics did they have to do to come up with that acronym, uh, but it's the G.I. Joe Hovercraft, you know, commonly referred to as G.I. Joe Hovercraft, uh, it came out in 1984, I very clearly remember the commercial for it, it, it had its own commercial. Uh, And I remember it, and I remember just being so desperate to get this thing. And we were, as many of the larger items that I ended up with, we were at my grandparents' in Wilmington, North Carolina. And usually my papaw would take me out on toy hunts. uh, But for whatever reason, we were all out. I'm sure we'd gone out to eat or something like that. Uh, So everybody was there. And we went to Service Merchandise. And for those of you youngsters out there listening, Service Merchandise used to be a brick-and-mortar store similar to a a Target uh, where you would go in and they would have all kinds of different products. But there was a toy section in the back, usually next to the garden center. (laughs) And they had the killer whale there on the shelf. And I had to look this up for reference. And this blows my mind, you guys. I don't know if you know off the top of your heads, but just guess what was the original MSRP of the Killer Whale?
1: Thirty dollars.
0: Christian? I, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm thinking like forty five ish. The original MSRP of the GI Joe Killer Whale was seventeen ninety nine? Oh, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was, actually, I said 30 I was like, it's probably closer to 20 but I didn't even think that it would go that low. I was thinking like maybe twenty two ninety nine. but 99 Baffling. Um, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Baffling. I mean, when you think about uh, the smallest vehicles that came with figures, you know, ones that are like the size of the Vamp, those were like $7 right. when they first came out.
0: So... Uh, and I had to look the price up because, and, and I don't know why I had $18, but I had $18 and my dad was just back there with me and everybody else was kind of going throughout the store looking for their own things. And I said, I've got to get this. We got up to the cash register and they rang it up and it was, you know, 1834 or whatever it was. And. I didn't have enough. And my dad was like, well, sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: you 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 know, you, you've got to learn to account for So let's see, this was 1984, so I would have been seven years old. Eight years old. Eight years old. Uh, my dad was like, you need to learn about sales tax and the way that the government takes money away from us, and blah, 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 you know, went on this whole thing. <laughs> and was 100% going to let me not buy this because i didn't have enough money and uh fortunately i do not remember if it was my papa or my mom but they both kind of came up at the same time was like hey what's going on why does david look like he's about to burst into tears uh clearly it's because we left him alone with you again and you're an insane person (laughs) uh and uh, you know my papa is like you know i think i've got 35 cents in my pocket to make up this difference David, you can, you know, wash some dishes when we get home and make that up. Whatever. So I ended up being able to buy it, uh, get it back to their house, and it's it's the greatest toy ever, and that's it. Uh, it's it, it, flo- it floated. It floated great. It wasn't like some of the other crappy water toys that would come out in the 80s. Uh, it floated great. It worked on land great because it had casters with wheels on them that actually rotated so you could, like, move it along the floor at high speeds, and then coast to the left, coast to the right. Had the depth charges, the recon sled, the little motorcycle that I honestly didn't even remember until last year when I bought a new old killer whale at Joe Fest um, that came with that motorcycle. And I'll tell you right now, it, I wouldn't have known. Like, if he had sold it to me and it didn't have the motorcycle, I would have still thought it was complete. <laughs> That's
2: um, funny. I... I forgot about the sled, but I have strong memories uh, of the the motorbike.
0: Ah, <laughs> that's funny. That's that's hilarious because for me the sled was huge because you know you pushed it into the front and closed that flap and then it ejected. So like that was massive to me. That was such a big feature, and I would use that. Typically, one of my adventures would be Zartan on his swamp bike zipping through the swamps. And the big whale can't keep up with him, so they shoot the sled out, and that guy chases Zartan down.
1: Uh, What's well, uh, impressive about it still to me to this day, a lot of the toys that we look back on we think, man, that thing was huge because you were you know, half the size right, of our right. And you go back and you look at it as an adult, you're like, okay, it was not that big. Like, I look back at my van. Yeah, but I clearly remember that, that thing being bigger than it was, or the Hiss Tank. Um, or the even, Hiss like, Tank is like, the
0: big one for me. The Hiss Tank is
1: way smaller. Yeah, the tactical battle platform. Like, I remember that thing being huge when I was a kid. Now I look at it, I was like, it's half the size of the killer whale. Like, that thing is still enormous when I look at it yes.
0: now. Yes, yes. And I, I'm actually, I'm sitting here right next to the one I bought last year, and it, it's a big chunk of toy. Yeah, uh, and it's got tons of storage. Like you can put tons of troops in that opening hatch. Um, the fans, the it's 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 incredible. I, I adore this thing, and uh, this is buying that one last year as part of what kicked off this whole vintage GI Joe thirst that I've been experiencing here over the last uh, year or so. Uh, I was featured in all the media. Uh, I was in the comics and the cartoon. It was kind of the standard vehicle that you'd see. Uh, The Skyhawk and the Whale, I think, are two most commonly used vehicles on the cartoon. Uh, It was in the trading card game. It was featured on the cover of a Colorforms book called G.I. Joe Cobra's Revenge, written by Dr. Z. (laughs) 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 But uh, this was, I mean, this is my favorite, you guys. uh, Christian, talk about this vehicle a little bit.
2: So, I never actually owned this, but my best friend in elementary school did, and so whenever I would go over to his house, this was always one of the centerpieces of our G.I. Joe ventures. Like I said, I, I was obsessed with the little bike that it came with, and also the fact that it really did float, because you're right, like, I... Lego used to make uh, boats. You know, I was like, oh, they, they float. And it just never worked as well for me. And so when he, uh, when Tony would tell me about, you know, oh, no, I got the well and blah, 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 blah. And it really floats. Like, nothing ever worked like it did on the commercials. As soon as we filled up the bathtub and we put it in, it worked. Like, like uh, it was great.
0: Yeah, that it was so impressive that, that it did because I think at that point we were already used to floating toys that like would float for a minute and then just kind of sink.
2: Yeah. When you look size of it as a little kid, uh, I, you didn't think it really, you know, would...
1: I actually, um I think they, they actually missed no pun intended, missed the boat a lot with <laughs> this one in the media. Uh, Cause when it, First came out. Uh, I didn't actually own one, but I, I was obsessed with the toy and I always wanted one. And I remember my dad and bo- both my dad and my uncle explained to me that hovercrafts aren't like really boats. Like, right, they can travel over land too because they're literally floating on a on a on on a, a, a pillow of air. And so they just they never really used it in that. No, it's
0: always thing. on the water.
1: It was always on the water <laughs> and I and I always thought they they missed opportunities to use it in other environments too, which really would have, you know, helped sell it to a lot of kids, I think.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that they never bothered with the fact that it was an amphibious vehicle, but you know, yeah. whatever. Uh all right, any further thoughts on the killer whale, the greatest toy of all time? Pretty
2: darn good. And very hard to find complete.
1: Yes, and yeah. it came with a. And it came with a character that I thought was Magnum PI when it first came out. Oh yeah, we
0: got. Okay, real quick, we got to <laughs> mention Cutter, who is. Look, I love the killer whale. I love Cutter because he came with the killer whale, but the most boring GI Joe figure ever made. <laughs> My gosh.
1: No. You now you see, we in in the Finest, um, which is the Costuming Club I am a member of. If you have not yet uh, heard that about me, uh, we did a few things, uh, a few episodes of uh, of a show called Finest House a few years ago. Yes, very good. C- Cutter Cutter is definitely not boring <laughs> anymore to you if you've watched the Finest House episodes.
0: Well, he's not he's not very toyetic. We'll just say that. That's <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: Well, so our next segment is Missing an Action, in which we focus on a character that deserves a figure from any era or any toy line. Um, And I get to pick this one today. Uh, This is one that probably gets glossed over a lot. A lot of people don't even remember that this character existed because it didn't exist in a lot of media, but he did exist in the cartoons in the early seasons. And to me, he seemed like a missing original thirteen GI Joe that I just somehow missed when the toys came out. Uh, the original communications officer on the GI Joe cartoon, whose name was Sparks, um, he wore a like a, a very basic like army uniform, kind of a, a a tan, sometimes looked like a lighter green color top um, with darker pants. Had a big communications backpack and was usually sitting down at the computer. Uh, until apparently one day, the guys who were running the show uh, got a message from Hasbro that said, "Don't use him anymore. We have this new character." And I put quotes around that because the <laughs> character had been around for three years at this point. Right. And that's when they started using Breaker. Um, yeah, so like I never this I never had this figure, but because there were two grunts, and because I had come into possession of a lot of. A friend of mine's figures. I had both the green grunt and the tan grunt that came with the um, with the glider, and so my tan grunt became Sparks when I was playing GI Joe. Oh. Um, they eventually wind up like taking him off the show, but he did show up in some later episodes. Uh, he took a job at a TV station. The uh, the episode "Gray Hairs" and "Growing Pains" um, shows him as a you know now working for a television station as a retired member of GI Joe, but still helping the. The um, helping the the team out, so said doesn't get a lot of play. He they did do some stuff with him in Devils Do later on um, as a as one of the original GI Joe team members, um, and they did eventually release a figure in two thousand seven uh, as part of uh, a convention exclusive, the Tanks for the Memories box set. But that's the only time that he has ever actually been featured um, in plastic form officially in GI Joe media. So.
0: And we yeah. we need a classic original O-Ring Sparks. This is such a good pick, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's one that people forget about. And apparently, when they actually fleshed out his character, he is the first ever Italian-born G.I. Joe character. Uh, Alessandro Verdi, born in Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that's an awesome pick. I, I'm 100% on board with that. And I, I would love it so much... If and and I've said before when we've been talking about uh, modern figures, I I doubt it's practical for Hasbro to go back to O rings in any way, even for any you know, like a retro line. But I would love it if if they could do some kind of like a HasLab project where they let fans choose twelve figures missing. From the original O-ring line, and they produce them, and you buy the set, and and that's it, and they're done. Yeah, I, I, that would be so cool, but I, I find that very unlikely.
1: Yeah, I'd pay good money for a like a fresh, minty Sparks O-ring figure. Um, would be, I'd just love to have that.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got a a simple but cool design. He's distinctive from the rest of the Joes. Um, yeah, it'd be very cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at. A lot of people uh, seem, or a good amount of people, have made customs of him, and I'm loving looking at all these modern takes
1: on it. Yeah, I mean, o- O-ring stuff. You can you can essentially just use parts from the original 13 Joes because yeah. he, he fits that same aesthetic, just using the same top grunt, um, and then you know, just maybe a different, slightly different. Tone with pants, since he was more two-toned in the cartoon.
0: Yeah, I'm <clears> trying to think who whose bottom you could use. I would want to go with the brown. Mm-hmm. I think over the green. Um, that
2: seems to be what most people do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That be a little pre- as I as I get more stuff and I end up doubles of figures. That's definitely something I'll look into doing. And I, I would just stick Breaker's headset on him. Yep. Awesome. Good pick, Noel.
1: Thank you.
2: And now it's time for Springfield Showdown, where Phantom and Crapshoot are each going to pick a character to face off. And I am going to decide who emerges victorious. Uh, So I'm going to go to the randomizer here. And Phantom, who is your pick?
0: All right. this This is twice in a row I've had to be involved in this. Uh, last time I wasn't so successful, this time I feel like I've chosen a winner, I feel like I've chosen somebody who is almost undefeatable within the realm of G.I. Joe, my pick, my guy that I'm placing on the battlefield,
1: is the Super Trooper,
0: (laughs) Vac Metal chest piece vac metal helmet vac metal submachine gun shield this guy looks like he is just ready to crash into any number of enemy troops and tear them to pieces but not only that not only that his secondary specialty is public relations so he's going to get out to the battlefield and he's going to say attention enemy troops i just want you to know that I think we can find middle ground and avoid this conflict entirely. If we can just sit down and have a reasonable conversation, then we can find a resolution that doesn't involve violence. But then he busts out his super-reflective shield and guns them all down while they're distracted by the shiny light coming off of his shield and his helmet. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow is the only proper response.
1: <laughs> <for> <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I, I gotta say,
2: never underestimate the power of good PR. It's <laughs> or kept good the Kardashians
0: va- or around good, all these years. Good vac metal. <laughs> well, <laughs> that too.
1: <laughs> while your super trooper is standing there giving PR, you're never going to hear this coming because my contestants specialty is silent weapons that's right quick kick is gonna be my entry into springfield showdown today oh quick kick has black belts in seven different martial arts di- disciplines seven that's taekwondo goju ryu judo southern uh, southern praying mantis kung fu tai chi sword zen sword and Wing Chun at seven martial arts. He's a black belt in. He, first time you see him in the cartoon, he rescues Alpine and Bazooka from leopard seals. He beat leopard seals to save their save their butts. And not only that, he kicks Storm Shadow's butt on their first encounter in the snow. So uh, it doesn't get much tougher than the uh, the martial arts guy who can kick Storm Shadow's butt. And he fought in the Arctic without any Arctic gear. No shirt, no shoes, no problem.
2: Well, I've heard your arguments, and Noel, you kind of stole my joke, because unfortunately, (laughs) no shirt, no shoes, no service. Aww. I, I can't. I can't take seriously a guy who runs into battle not wearing shoes or a gunfight not wearing
1: a shirt. Can, can he win I you over with a shiny wit and his lifetime him? supply of frozen fudgy bars, though? <laughs> I
2: and every time. I hear Super Trooper. I can't help but to think of Abba, and Abba will always win.
1: No fair with the Abba card. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Super so Trooper
0: the wins the day.
2: Uh, uh, I I gotta give it to the back metal. <laughs> it, it quick kick goes and kick tries to kick that shield. If he's been if, if Super Trooper's been out in the sun. Man, his his feet are going to get blistered. It's... Sorry, Noel.
1: That's all right. We'll get him next time.
2: And yes. that was the Springfield Showdown.
0: it's time to close this thing out with knowing is half the babble where each of us gets 60 seconds to ramble about eh, anything uh i'm gonna kick it off and go ahead and lay down my pre-order conspiracy theory i think that hasbro is intentionally throwing these pre-orders out there with like five figures available to sell out Instantly to build up a crazy furor for these products. So, like, you know, us as collectors, we're sitting there. We're waiting with our finger on the button for Hasbro to throw those or for Target or whoever to throw up those pre-orders. Oh, can't wait. Got to have the Cobra Troopers. I need 20 of them. I need a Baroness. Let's go. Let's go. A pre-order pops up, and and you don't even get the opportunity to put it in your cart. It immediately says sold out. I think it's a big plan just to make people hot for these toys, so once they do hit, they sell out like crazy. And you know what? If that's the case, pretty smart on Hasbro's part.
2: Spoken like someone who collected Masters of the Universe classics. Oh,
0: (laughs) Lord. Don't even get me started on MattyCollector.com. All right. uh, Noel, you're up next.
1: All right. I'm going to talk about a random memory that I had, um, and a movie that uh, came out, I think, in 1986. And uh, before he was uh, the star of The Wonder Years, and before he was in The Princess Bride, uh, Fred Savage uh, had a had a supporting role in a movie, also starring Jay Underwood, and um, now I can't remember her name, uh, Lucy Deakins, um, called The Boy Who Could Fly. Yeah. And this movie might as well have just been a giant product placement for G.I. Joe by Hasbro, because... If I want to call him Kevin Arnold the whole time, but Fred Savage is is obsessed with G.I. Joe. He's got him all over his bedroom. He's playing with them all the time. He rides around in his big wheel, dressed like a G.I. Joe, um, shooting people with water guns and stuff. But what made me mad, this spoiled brat kid would have battles, and his characters would die, and he would stage trolls, and he would bury his G.I. Joe figures in his backyard. And I cannot tell you how irate i was that someone would actually do that to their precious toys that i had to work so hard to get my hands on back in the day but if you want a little nostalgia movie from you know from 34 years ago that's got a lot of little gi joe nods in it then go check out the boy who could fly i haven't seen it since then but i don't know if it holds up or not
0: christian what's your babble All right, so I'm going
2: to kind of bounce off of what Noel was talking about last time uh, with getting upset or not feeding the scalpers. Um, I recently have seen a lot of negativity about the Storm Shout coming out on the retro line with having sleeves. Um, I know we all have childhood memories or our favorite versions of characters, Like what you like You don't have to like everything But don't poo-poo On other people's excitement Over a toy Or a figure because It's not what You wanted I think that you can still Express your disappointment In a way that is Civil and can lead to discussion I mean like I said I don't like All the ninjas in G.I. Joe But through conversations with Dave and Noel, I'm starting to be more open to it. But no one has ever taken a, oh, you suck, Uh, blah, 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 this is the worst, what is Hasbro doing? Like, There is some good in the fact that we're getting G.I. Joe figures on the shelves again.
0: All right, and with that... It is time to say goodbye, but first we want to thank Andy Samford of com for providing all of the music you heard throughout this episode. Uh, once again, please do follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Uh, Noel, do you want to tell us a little bit about The Finest?
1: Uh, the Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming group um, that uh, doesn't get out to do as many shows now as we traditionally do, but uh, when we're out doing shows, we're raising money for a great charity called Canines for Warriors. So if you get a chance to donate to that group, uh, even if you can't go to a con right now, um, we definitely appreciate it, and so do the dogs and the veterans that are benefited by the finest.
0: All right, Noel, Christian, thanks so much for sitting down, talking about G.I. Joe. Yo, Joe.
1: Cobra. Cobra.